Hello, I'm Dr. Virginia Reid. Welcome to Wellbeing. Today our honoured guest is Professor Philip Morgan, co-director of the University of Newcastle's Research Centre for Physical Activity and Nutrition, and whose expertise lies in, among other things, community and school-based interventions to prevent and treat obesity in child, adolescent and adult populations. Welcome, Philip. Yeah, hi, Virginia. How are you going? Very well, thank you. And you? Nice and busy, but it's all good. And do you practice what you preach? Does it sort of help? Oh, absolutely. You look like you might. Yeah, one of those things that you, um, there's so many, so much of the research you read and the evidence and, and a lot of my, I guess, greatest ideas and insights have just come through your own personal experiences and, um, you know, you, you tie those in with the evidence and you can, you can be quite creative in your approaches to promoting healthy lifestyles. Yeah, exactly. So let's get on with it. Let's define obesity for the listeners as it stands today. Yeah, well, I mean, the, you can define obesity a number of ways. A common um, way in, at a population level is using the body mass index. Um, but essentially, um, you're looking at, uh, in Australia at the moment, almost 70% of men are considered to be overweight or obese, and that's a body mass index above 25. We use a formula with height and weight to calculate that. And about 55% of women and getting close to 25 to 30% of children. Wow. And what age group is children? Usually when we use the term children, we sort of talk up to, um, you know, the primary school age, I guess, from sort of 5 to 12. Adolescents are kind of the, the high school period. And then you've got, obviously, your, your younger children, as they're known, um, sort of your birth to five. Are we seeing it in that age group even? Yeah. There's, I mean, it was a really big push. The uh, prevalence rates aren't quite as high. They can tend to get higher as kids get older. Mm. But there is major initiatives that are kind of occurring at the preschool ages. We learn more about how these health behaviours, dietary behaviours, uh, activity track from such an early age. And in fact, some of the really great innovative work is sort of happening with women who are thinking of falling pregnant, for example, and how their diet pattern can impact. And so it's just phenomenal. It's such, such an interesting area of work. Mm. However, one of the really key things that obesity prevention is just so important because weight loss is challenging. Mm, absolutely. So the old adage, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, is pretty accurate, really. Absolutely. You'd be mad not to look after your mothers if you want any longevity as a society, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. And, and I guess uh, I'd have to, it'd be remiss of me not to throw in, it's the hands that rock the cradle these days. The role of the father has become far more paramount and uh, the recent around the impact of the father, which is another area that I look into. So that's quite interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. I, I shouldn't be so um, <laughs> dogmatic, I suppose, in my approach. I was meaning more, you know, antenatal care, etc., is probably now being recognised as a, as a major area that in which we can intervene that's going to have the most clout, if you like. But the teamwork involved with bringing up a child these days is paramount, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean... We're busier as a society. We're busier as parents. Life seems to be busier. There's so much sort of going on. Mm. Um, and particularly in relation to my area of promoting healthy eating among children and getting them to be adequately active, then it's not whether a father or mother is more important. It basically suggests that in those families that do have access to both a mother and father, it's so much easier when both parents are on board and on the same page. Right. Okay. So a lot of your education stems around, what is it, education? Is that what you do? I'm actually from a school of education at the university. I'm health and physical education trained. 
one of, I think, the unique contributions of our work in this area has been thinking around, it's not just the content of programs that we may develop for weight loss and or obesity prevention. Um, that's important, but it's also how it's delivered and who by and how they're trained. And so they call, you know, the science of teaching the pedagogy, but that can make a difference. So, you know, the experience and qualifications in teaching strategies has led to what I believe to sort of great success in our what is community-based education programs is essentially targeted programs is what really my area of research. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You can tailor and target programs to appeal to different audiences. And which audiences do you deal with mostly? Um, I do a lot of work um, with men and fathers. And uh, some say it's just because I've got three daughters, I'm looking for male bonding. <laughs> there is... There is um, you know, a real need to, men are very hard to engage in weight loss. Um, it's are predominantly they? They're female. harder than females to engage in weight oh, loss. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, 90% attendance in programs. But I've found that if you make a program just for men that sort of fits in with their, um, with the sort of things that they prefer to, to do and not to do, you can have great success. And also a lot of parenting programs um say they're for parents but essentially they're just for mums and the dads are kind of left out but if you make a program just for dads like the Healthy Dads Healthy Kids program it's been a, a, an outstanding success um, we can engage fathers so I, I do we've got you know it's really interesting looking at targeted programs but we've also you know uh, a PhD student Elise Cook's looking at a mothers and daughters uh, program trying to promote activity getting mothers involved and we've got a you know, Healthy Dads, Healthy Kids, which is dads in primary school aged children and starting next year, another one are dads and daughters. So we're really interested to see the relative impact of targeting different parents, different age groups and what the outcomes are as we move forward. Amazing. You're listening to Wellbeing and my guest today is Professor Philip Morgan and we're discussing ways and means of, of engaging people in really preventive health um, strategies, but hopefully also prevention of obesity and treatment of obesity if it exists. So, Philip, you were mentioning your dads and kids programs. Where do you deliver those? I mean, what I find with my husband is that, you know, I'm, I think most of my parent-teacher interviews, it's me going because my husband can't quite make it. Yeah. How, how do you get around that problem? Well, uh, there's a couple of things. Firstly, it has to be at a, um, in inverted commas, a father-friendly time. Uh, you know, often, often it is the case where things are held directly after school, for example, that it can be more challenging for some families and fathers to attend those. But um, also, it's around educating and raising awareness about the importance of the father being able to be involved in that, and potentially, uh, you know, parent-teacher interviews. Do teachers think that it's better if both parents are there? Does it make a major difference? Is it okay for one? Um, that's not my over of research. What I do know that is if a family's trying to lead a healthy lifestyle and they haven't attempted to engage both parents, it's going to be very challenging. In a nutshell, what are the causes of obesity? Well, at, at a simplistic level, um, it's it's back down to our our thermodynamics that people know. It's it's uh, kilojoules in and kilojoules out. Um, and, and that's quite well established, but that's at a simplistic level. But then what you really have to consider is the multiple layer and complexities of factors that impact on what we put in our mouths and how we move, and that's where it becomes quite complex. So while it's easy to point the finger and say, well, individuals have the responsibility to eat well and to be active, 
that in very fact it's not a level playing field and there's a host of reasons that impact on our opportunities to be active on the types of foods and, and uh, that we can eat. And, and that's why we, li- we live in what's called an obesogenic environment uh, and it is very challenging. And one of the solutions is uh, community-based education programs to engage people to come in and learn the latest science around it and have, you know, for parents, strategies where they can get their children eating vegetables or they understand how active they should be, understand how they can role model and promote healthy lifestyles. So you do this program at school, for example? Yeah, well, Healthy Day Tell the Kids was initially trialled at the university. It, no program had ever targeted fathers before, um, so we didn't even know if we could engage them, but um, it was a great success. Won national and international awards. Um, in an, oh, a very... everybody must recognise the need. <laughs> Oh, it just was haven't just, been able to achieve it. So how did you achieve it? Yeah, it was so, it was so emotive. Everyone thinks about, yeah, what a, that's a great concept and it's such a great... It, the fathering literature on the benefits to children, developmental outcomes for bringing them into their lives is just so powerful that it never really looked at in the context of physical activity and nutrition. So we developed the program, tested it, and now we're currently in a, um, a major community rollout. It's funded by Kyle and Allied. And we're in Musselbrook, Scone, Singleton, Cessnock and Maitland, basically handing over the program, training up local people to deliver it. Um, we have run community forums to say, look, where can it be run? What can happen? And it's currently basically starts, we use schools as settings. And um, we have men that come in with their kids and usually starts at about six o'clock and finishes at about quarter past seven. So we found a time that's sort of friendly, works with families and um, we involve, you know, the dads and kids. So they do eight sessions over about three months. A session um, every couple of weeks or something. Yeah, it sort of moulds around whatever the needs of the community and that's really important. Mm. Sometimes we might avoid a big touch football night or a <laughs> school holiday or and that's where, you know, engaging the community and finding out what works best is really important in these in these community programs. So it's not just a trial run at the uni, this has a, a broader impact. Mm. And so in those programs, what do you do? So we have four dads only sessions. And the dads-only sessions where the dads come in and learn about, firstly, about weight loss and achieving a healthy weight and what they need to do in a safe manner. Um, and we also teach them around um, what their children should be eating, um, uh, what types of foods, how to get them to eat the veggies, all those sort of you know quite challenging things for parents, how much activity their kids should be doing. And then the real, the magic of Healthy Dads, Healthy Kids, the four interactive sessions with the dads and the kids. Um, and the kids come in. And we run them through a whole host of practical activities. And really what happens is we really pump the kids up to become essentially the personal trainers of the dads. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, it's like where if you said to a child, look, it's really important you eat your veggies because they're really good for you and you'll reduce your risk of non-communicable chronic diseases. It kind of doesn't cut it for a five-year-old. <laughs> but if you say, look, what we're trying to do, we're trying to get daddy to get fit. So therefore at dinner tonight, Tricky. All, I, all I want you to do is taste two veggies and just watch him and see, see what happens. He might even taste them. But in the other room, we've got the dads. This is before we get them together. We're saying, now guys there are, oh yeah, veggies, I eat food because it tastes good. And saying, now listen, whether or not you want to do it, you've got to understand the profound impact of role modeling and when your kids see you doing it. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, you need to do it for your kids. So in essence, they're both doing it for each other. Yeah. Um, and it just works so well. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're currently recruiting in Maitland and Cessnock. We've sort of taken it to areas that often miss out on these sorts of programs. Oh, that's and wonderful. Any listeners that are keen to be involved, it's a really fantastic opportunity. Men that have been involved, you can check out our website, 
um, it's it's life changing. So it's fantastic to be able to make this available. And so we might as well give the website a plug now. What's the website address? www.healthydadshealthykids.com.au. You can sort of Google in there and kind of find it. And um, yeah, you can kind of track us down or um, send us an email. Right. Obviously, you get a great deal of joy out of actually, you know, making this thing work. Oh, absolutely. And, and recruitment is quite challenging, to be honest. So any opportunity to, to give it a plug. And, I'm, um, but, um, and one of the things is just the fear of the unknown for the participants initially who think, hang on, is this Biggest Loser for Dads or what, what's this about? And a bit cautious. But once you get them through the door and they become your greatest advocates um, and you encourage it's basically a, a fantastic opportunity for dads to spend quality time with their children through fun physical activity experiences and, and nutrition-based experiences. I should imagine, too, it's really nice to be a role model to be, you know, have that sort of pointed out to you that that's actually a pretty big job. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really great um, epiphany-type moments for a lot of men in there with just things where they will say, this, shouldn't this be mandatory? Shouldn't you have to do this as a, as a <laughs> I, t- I keep telling people, I think it's so ridiculous when you're going to have a baby, all they do is teach you how to breathe. I mean, you know, that's over and done with pretty quickly. And the rest of your life, nobody ever mentions sort of, anything about really it's such a need and when you give them simple strategies they go and try them in the work and well that's important i mean that's where your expertise comes in oh that's right and it's we've got a team of experts um i mean i'm leading this but we've got nutrition dietetics experts exercise physiologists education psychology parenting experts all who have developed this program and designed it and uh, who are accessible for information. So that's a wonderful opportunity in the Newcastle, the Upper Hunter and Hunter Valley to you know, be involved in this kind of program where there's no question that you ask that will not be answered and when they go home and try it. The, the an email we got a couple of weeks ago from a dad was basically said, my only problem is where the bloody hell have you been in the last nine years? <laughs> Education unlocks the future was his final line. So yes. things like that where he goes, I can't believe how challenging the dinner table was for me. Yeah. After one session, my life has changed for the better. So that, they're the great stories that, are, as I said before, you're busy, but they're so motivating. Absolutely. I mean, I think always bringing knowledge brings power to people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, this is such fundamental knowledge because we're all pretty interested in our, in our future, children's future, you know. That is the absolute easy sell of this. Yeah. With any resistance from potentially dads or strategies, when you say, look, this is the best thing you can do for your child, Mm. then that's the easy bit. They come in, all, all the men that come through the door, anyone that's sort of thinking about it, that is the one common denominator there mm. that they have, that they want the very best for their child and that's that's a lot about the motivation while they do that. Aside from just being great fun to do something and spend quality time with your kids in the world that we live in. Mm, exactly, give it an excuse and they meet the need. That's fantastic. You're listening to Wellbeing and my guest today is Professor Philip Morgan and we're discussing the enlightening subject of <laughs> how to get people to eat healthily and exercise, which is no mean feat. So the pilot study that you've done has actually worked. Have you rolled out other programs into schools, for example? Yeah, we've, we've got a, um, a colleague of mine, um, Associate Professor David Lubens, is sort of our research centre's schools lead. And we're also and got a number of PhD students doing some really innovative work in schools as well. Um, we kind of move away from any focus on weight or obesity or anything like that, purely there to, um, you know, promote physical activity, um, education-based programs, 
uh, healthy eating, those sorts of things. So we've done a whole host of different programs with the school as a setting, um, which have been very successful as well. So it's like our research centre here at uni, you know, are becoming really well known for these innovative ways of engaging different subgroups of the population in different settings. Workplaces, we had a great weight loss project for shift workers at Tomigo, um, such a great success. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was called Workplace Power, and we love acronyms here, Virginia, so <laughs> the um, power stood for preventing obesity without eating like a rabbit, and, um, <laughs> and it was just for men, and again, as a way to engage them, and it kind of, shift work is also another barrier to um, physical activity yes. and, and eating for so a host true. of both physiological and psychological reasons and behavioural reasons, so... Time ago, essentially approached us after the success of one of our male-only weight loss programs, and we went in there, and the men sort of worked in crews. Uh, they lost weight. Um, they improved in a number of other parameters. But what was really interesting, and we've public just published this actually, is that we we had um, access to absenteeism data and on-site work injury data, and both injuries and absenteeism reduced uh, in the group that got the program compared to a control group. Um, which was just a absolutely fantastic, and it led to Tomago Aluminium winning an Excellence in Safety Award at the Hunter Manufacturing Awards. So it really, they're they've got dare to be congratulated. Simon Mitchell was the one who really wanted to engage with the university to implement this program in the workplace. It was great for staff, yes. their health, but then there was these fantastic sort of worksite outcomes. So mm. that's a great success. As well, and you're going to promote that to industry then, in general. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because we've got, you know, as researchers, you're really interested in answering a number of questions and can it work? Can we engage in what's going to be the impact? How do these relationships uh, between all that sort of stuff? And then the big question is, okay, so what? What happens? Next? How can this have broader community impact? Mm. And that's the next challenge amongst us. Healthy Dads is an example where we're taking this the that quantum leap into the big bad world out there and how we can make things live on and be sustainable. Well, I think you've just proven that it's not a big bad world at all. It's just a bit lost. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, you just need need the support, and that. I mean, with the Coal and Allied recognising their community development fund, being willing to invest, you know, five hundred thousand dollars into Healthy Dads to make it available to the communities there, as an example. You just need to when they heard about it, and we put in the application. So, workplace power, um, shed it, which is our other weight loss program for men. Um, Queensland Health are interested in rolling it out in their um, sort of in their rail industry and actually their truckers as well um, to see if they're a, a blokey program that doesn't require group face-to-face sessions that they can engage with and it's evidence-based is a really important thing. I should imagine it would be fairly operator dependent though, would it? In other words, you know, it depends who you've got behind you when you actually. It's like you know, you get teachers. Some teachers are not as great at getting results as other teachers. Delivery seems to be pretty important. Yeah, there's, you raise an excellent point. There's, and two, two things in, around that point is, one, for Healthy Dads, Healthy Kids, um, we've trained up local and we're getting still, it's still being successful, probably not the same magnitude as we had when it was kind of delivered here initially um, by the you know research staff. However, it's still been a great success and we've found engaging enthusiastic PE teachers who we still train. So there's still a quality control in terms of who we train and how we train them and when. 
Um, and so we still run the training and, and these guys we've trained have done a fantastic job. So we haven't actually found that to be a major barrier. And they've been contacting us wanting to be involved as facilitators because they think it just sounds like a great program. Secondly, with the um, shared it and workplace power, we have different variants depending on the group. And I, I ran information sessions for Shed It, which was our weight loss program for men. And I had to run it. I mean, I've run that information session so many times I can't remember. And then it was like, well, how can we, can Phil Morgan just go around and just do this one hour information session? So that was a, a key question in the sustainability. So what we did, we turned that into a DVD presentation oh, and demonstrated that I'm not a natural actor, but... Um, <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, we tested that in a big trial funded by the Heart Foundation. We're just submitting the results to a journal today, actually. Oh, fantastic. Um, and we've basically found um, that the impact of our improved resources in the DVD were just as effective as the face-to-face information session, which is quite interesting. And um, this is great public health appeal because here we have a resources pack, no face-to-face, DVD, logbooks, the right information written in a manner that the men enjoy, and you can have this great impact. So you can have that variant, or if a workplace wanted more intensive, you could train up their health and you know, health stuff. I think that's it, isn't it? It's what you said before, you have to adapt to the situation. Absolutely. And that humility you will always hold to in good stead, in my experience. <laughs> that's right. Very limited yeah. experience of getting compliance, as it's called. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. And, uh, and you know, it, it's a, not, not everyone you know, will be compliant, but no. you can show that in a population level, um, having that sort of impact can make a big difference. I think that's the point, isn't it? Not everybody's ready at the particular time, but the more often that they're introduced to, to it the more information they have, the more it's about their choice. Whereas prior to that, it's, it's ignorance. Well, there's, so, there's so many, I mean, the weight loss industry is just littered with programs. So I think one of the things with a lot of our work that emanates from the university, it gives it a bit more credibility as well for, for people. So they kind of trust the message. And I know in our work in men, that is really important. Well, it sounds like you're coming in at a society level. It sounds more like it's a, you, what you've created is a product that's really about social value. What do we value socially and how do we implement that? Not just weight loss, you know, not just healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. It's it's about, you know, dads looking after their kids, businesses looking after their employees. Yep. And if you look at it, if you if you really say what is it about for us, what's our ultimate thing, and we measure this as well, it's, for a lot of it, it's about your quality of your life. And we measure that as well. And the pathway to improve that can be, as we know, through improved lifestyle behaviours. In For families, quality of life may link to just that happiness and connection, engagement with families, which is just really nice. And the vehicle is physical activity and nutrition, which just so happens to be good for you as well. So that's a great thing as well. It certainly improves the quality of your life. Oh, no question. And particularly if you, if you lead a very busy life or a life that's full of stressors, such as, you know, your life... I should imagine you could say that you had a fairly stressful life looking at it, but you you work your way around that. It's kind of, it's one of those things. I mean, you, you've uh, there's kind of a lot of assumptions. Like I'm I'm busy and I'm sort of on the go, but you know we I ha- I'm home and we have dinner as a family every single night. Ah, now what's has anybody ever studied that one? 
there's an absolute fascinating literature on the importance of eating dinner together as a family on, on social emotional outcomes of children and I prioritise that you know I'm home there and not doing work so although whatever the, what, I, don't, I don't know what they've got up on the website it's made you think that I'm too stressed but, but <laughs> no I can just tell by the number of things that you do yeah, it's and the way you look and the way you sound and the you know I mean I meet a lot of people that do a lot of things uh, myself included and I find that unless I exercise and eat well and my children don't do what I say ever, they just do what I do, uh, that, you know, and, and I've always had the priority that we eat together at night. Yeah. Because, you know, we are all so busy. But I've never understood why that was so important to me. I mean, one of the kids asked me one day and I said, well, I don't know, it just seems to work better if I do. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really important for children that they feel important to people. And one of the things about a dinner table is it stops you in the busy world and you sit down uh, and once you've got the eating strategies down so it's not focused on eating vegetables or don't eat, don't do this and you can have a conversation and the educational literature um, you know has demonstrated there's a great study that showed that um, the minutes of meaningful conversation you have with a child before the ages of five um, can predict their social and academic outcomes in school oh my goodness and so when you look at meaningful conversation that comes well, what does that actually mean but you actually talk to a child and you look at them, you know, eye to eye, and it's not a desist, it's not a do this, clean up this, do this, an instruction or, a, you know, a discipline comment. When you actually just talk and engage and that teaches them really core communication skills, and in this same study, it was in America, they kind of showed uh, that the average um, minutes per week in meaningful conversation between parents and their children was 3.5 minutes a week. And that's when they used all the observational studies, which people kind of, it was almost unbelievable to think about it. But then when people go back and reflect on their days and think, actually, I get up, I'll get ready for work and I take off, and particularly for a lot of dads, and I go to work and I come home and we're kind of getting them ready and there's bars and in the bed and, you know, you know those sorts of things. And um, it's, it, it shows that the dinner table, that's one place where meaningful conversation can be maximised and capitalised on. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Look... I could talk about this sort of thing all day as a parent and a doctor, and I'm sure that as a person that's been involved in physical health and education, yeah, well, you've spent your life doing it, so I congratulate you. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Professor Philip Morgan, for speaking to us on wellbeing. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome, and very good luck with your continued research into... Well, really, I'm not sure now. (laughs) I guess it's obesity and the prevention and treatment in adults, adolescents and uh, children. I'm Dr Virginia Reid. We've been on Skype doing this interview and all of us at Wellbeing would wish you well.